ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Ernest Wamboe, and we are continuing our series on the Book of Philippians. Now, last time I was convinced we would complete chapter one, but we dwelt on chapter one, verse 27, and there was so much to unpack out of that verse. I was so surprised, and uh, we are going to try... <laughs> I'm going to try complete verse 28 to verse 30. Truly, Scripture is amazing. Scripture is packed. It's loaded with revelation, information that can transform you. There's there's a wealth of transformation in just a single Bible verse. And I pray that this series has been edifying to you. And we are emphasizing on the book of Philippians because it's going to be our theme book in the Logos Festival that is coming up soon. We're going to have a celebration of God's Word. We're going to read the Word of God, hear the Word of God, study the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. We're going to have Bible trivia, Bible celebrations, Bible expositions. We're going to have a wonderful time going through God's Word. And we want to use the book of Philippians as our theme as our theme book for this particular first edition. Hopefully, we'll have many other editions. And so because of that reason, I memorized this book. I memorized the book of Philippians, chapter 1 to chapter 4. It's a wonderful thing, uh, just committing it to my memory so that we could so that so that it can teach me, correct me, rebuke me, instruct me, and train me in righteousness. And indeed, it has. And I pray that the podcasts have really uh, edified you, edified you. I I certainly have been edified. So we go on with Philippians chapter one. Uh, we, we've got three verses. Oh Lord, help us complete them. It says, um, so I'm gonna read from verse 27 so you understand the context. Paul says to the Philippian church. Whatever happens, and this whatever happening basically means good circumstance or bad circumstance, whether he dies or whether he lives. Whatever happens, he tells the Philippian church, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm. Um, I know that you stand firm. Does it say stand firm as one man? Um, losing there for, for a moment. Uh, I know that you stand firm in one spirit, rather, containing as one man for the faith of the gospel. Now, this scripture memory needs to be polished. I tend to forget it once in a while. He goes on to say, verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So Paul the Apostle goes on to tell them, after telling them to be consistent, not to be fair-weathered friends, not to be fair-weathered Christians, not to be led astray by circumstances, but to be constant despite the circumstances of their lives. He says, one of the ways in which you remain constant in circumstances is that you are a courageous Christian. He says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. The Christian life is characterized by opposition. The Christian life is characterized by men who will stand up against the faith. This is true. Uh, this was true in the time of Jesus. It was true in the time of the apostles. It was true in the time of the apostolic fathers. It was true in the first century. It was true in the years to come. It was true in medieval times. It was true much later. It was true in the 1990s. It was true in the early 2000s. It is true today. There's always been opposition to the Christian faith, whether whether political, whether cultural, whether uh, whether, whether whether spiritual. You know, there's always been spiritual opposition. Uh, whether financial, there's always been opposition. And Paul says, opposition should not scare you. The opposition should not make you frightened. Don't be frightened by those who oppose you. Stand firm in your unity. 
contend for the gospel. And the reason he's telling them not to be afraid is because in the previous verse, he tells them to stand together and to contend for the gospel, fight for the gospel. What does that mean? Argue it out, convince people, tell them, proclaim it, evangelize, preach it, tell it, tweet it, write it on Facebook, on updates, on your WhatsApp status, put it, describe it, talk about it with your friends, with your family, tell people the truth, tell people the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, tell them, proclaim it, and expect opposition. When it comes, don't be shocked when opposition comes. Expect it. But he says, when the opposition comes, don't make the mistake of cowering. Don't make the mistake of tucking your tail in between your leg and in, in between your legs and running away. Don't cower. Don't be a frightened stander. Don't be like Elijah, who, when he had one single evil report from Jezebel, he ran away, and he was frightened, terrified by Jezebel. Be like Jehu. Who, when Jezebel tried to seduce him and try and uh, speak ill against him, what did Jehu do? Jehu had her thrown out of the window. And that was the end of Jezebel. And the prophecy concerning Jezebel was fulfilled. She died and the dogs licked her blood. Be a Jehu. Be a Jehu who will stand and say, you oppose me, stand firm and oppose. Now, you must understand why you need to not be frightened. Why? Because you have the truth. You have the truth. You've got the cure that everyone is looking for. You have the truth. You have the cure that everyone is looking for. So be bold and courageous. Why? Because people are going to die and you have the truth. Secondly, understand that the real enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not the men and the women who hate you, who oppose you, who denounce you, who speak ill about you. No, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this present darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. We are fighting against the enemy. And so if you know that the the, the source of, of your intimidation is demonic, stand firm because the power within you is divine, is godly. And demonic is darkness. You are light. Never have I seen in all my life light scattering from the darkness. Never have I seen in all my life. It is even impossible in the world of physics that light scatters from darkness. No, darkness scatters from the light. So you are light. Remember who you are. Your identity will give you the confidence not to be frightened. Don't be frightened by men who sound intellectual. Don't be frightened by men who are big and they are sound. They sound very, very flamboyant. They look flamboyant and they sound very verbose. And when they speak, people listen. Don't be, don't be intimidated by, by eloquent men and women. Listen, the Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, including those people who seem to intimidate you because they've got very, they've got more degrees than a thermometer. Hmm? Because they've got vehicles, they've got riches, they've got money. Don't be intimidated by all that. All those people will bow down before Christ one day. You are already bowing down right now. You are looking at people who will bow down and you will be standing with Christ on one side. Why are you afraid? Stand firm. Be bold and courageous, Christian. Stand firm. It doesn't matter if there are many. God never used numbers to win a battle. It doesn't matter if there are many. In fact, the, the fewer you are, the, the more glory God gets. Don't worry. Great is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Don't be panicky. Those who oppose you should not bring you down. They can oppose you. They can 
fight you, they can uh, attack you, but one thing they cannot do, they should not do, they should not make you frightened. Never be afraid. Never be afraid of spiritual bullies. Never be afraid of people who hide behind a keyboard. <laughs> people who cannot confront you face to face, but who are so bold in writing things behind a keyboard, behind a computer screen, behind a phone screen. Write all sorts of expletives on that. Don't be afraid of them. Confront them. They are the wicked ones. They are the Jezebel. You are the Jehu. Don't run away like, like Elijah. Confront Jezebel. Confront the liars. Confront the ones who have brought about a wickedness into this land. Bible says, without being threatened in any way, meaning there's no room for fear. There's no room for fear. Isn't it interesting that, guys, fear, um, this, this, this work of defending the gospel cannot be done if we are afraid. It can't. And if we are afraid, we must fight it. We must uproot it. We must find ways to trample that fear. And at times, you need to just go on despite the fear. And with time, the fear will go away. At times, you need to stand up. I remember being uh, in a few WhatsApp groups where uh, perhaps uh, something happened and I didn't speak up and everyone was quiet. And I kept, kept thinking, why are people talking? And I realized, ah, everyone is afraid. And why are they afraid? They're hoping someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. And I thought, why are we all afraid? Someone has to build a cut. And they speak up and they say, hey, you know what? That's not right. And this is the thing about courage. Courage is contagious. You see, just the same way fear is contagious, one person intimidates, threatens, and then everyone else gets scared. Ooh. That's how courage is. Courage is also contagious. It just takes one man to say, well, hold on, just a minute, excuse me. No, why, why are we speaking like that about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Why is it that we are allowed to say, we are not allowed to say bad things about your belief systems, but when it comes to Jesus Christ, we can actually uh, use expletives on his name, we can do all sorts of nonsense. No, why? Why? Why don't you have respect for the Christian faith? We need bold men and women. We need lions. We need lionesses defending the gospel. Friends, stand up. Be bold and courageous. And listen to what else should encourage you. Paul goes on in verse 28. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. The fact that they are fighting you is a sign that they'll be destroyed. They have become enemies of the gospel, enemies of the truth. They will be destroyed. If they do not repent, they will stand on the other side of God, and God's en enemies will all be destroyed. And listen, when you look at them, look at people who are enemies of God. Look at people already defeated. You are not defending the gospel with people who have won or people who are winning, you are defending the gospel of people who are already defeated. So why are you afraid? Why are you scared? Rise up, Christian. Rise up. Rise up, beloved. Why are you afraid of your dad? He's just a man. Why are you afraid of your mom? She's just a woman. Why are you afraid to speak back? She can do nothing to harm you. So Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who destroy the body. But be afraid of him who destroys both body and soul in hell. Your mom can't touch your soul. Your dad can't touch your soul. Your family can't touch your soul. Your teachers can't touch your soul. They can intimidate you. They can hurt you. They can pinch you. They can stab you. They can do all sorts of things. But they can never take away the glory of Christ that is inside of you. They can't touch it. Why are you afraid of them? They are defeated people. 
they are already defeated. As long as they are in disobedience to the one true God, Jesus Christ, they are, they are defeated. And so, they are destroyed. But you, what does it say? You will be saved. <laughs> and that by who? By God. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. You already won this battle. Defend the gospel, beloved. Defend it. Speak. Defend it. It goes on to say, in verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Be bold and suffer. Be bold and suffer. Because this is God's will. It has been granted for all those who are in Christ, not just to believe on him and be saved, but also to suffer for him. You see, I like that Paul is very clear concerning Christian suffering because there are many Christians who've got bad theology on suffering. They think Jesus Christ died so that I can never ever suffer. We even have songs like, Me, I know, go suffer. I know, go beg for bread. Um, context. <laughs> as long as you're a Christian, Jesus said in John 16:33, In this world you will have trouble. You'll have suffering. But take heart and overcome the world. Be courageous as you suffer. Don't suffer and be afraid. Guys, it is bad enough to suffer. Don't add fear to it. Yes, suffer. But suffer courageously. Don't be put down. Let them. Let, 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 they can touch your body, but they can never touch your soul. Understand, you've been called to believe on Christ, but also to suffer for him. So Christ Jesus did not just die so that we wouldn't suffer. Well, there's, that, there's a truth to that, that indeed Christ did die and he suffered on our behalf. It's true. Christ bore our sins in his body. We couldn't do that, but he bore the sins of the entire world, past, present, future. He bore the Lamb of God that was slain. He lived a perfect, pure life. The Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. He bore it all. No human being can do what Christ did. He suffered for us. But you know what, do you know what else Christ suffered? He didn't just suffer for us. He suffered to show us. Christ is not just one who suffered on our behalf. He also suffered to be our example. He's the exemplar of suffering. He also suffered so that when we suffer, not if we suffer, not if, friends, not if, when, when we suffer, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. And listen, it has been granted, meaning it's an ordination from heaven. It is a decree from heaven. It is, it's been said, you know what? Christians will suffer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Look at that. People want the godliness but want the persecution. Please accept it. Embrace your cross. Embrace your cross. And he says, this is Paul right to the Philippians, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. He's basically telling the Philippians, if, if you're going to suffer for Christ, don't just suffer. Look around. Look around. Look around at other Christians. See how other Christians are suffering just like you. Paul is telling the Philippian church, you're going through the same struggle I had. Uh, be encouraged that other Christians went through what you went through. Be encouraged that other Christians suffered what you went through. And I think one of the ways we should encourage one another as Christians is not just with our testimonies of, 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 of success and healing. We should also encourage one another with our suffering. We should use our sufferings as, 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 as agents of comfort to other Christians. 
when we hear other Christians going through struggles, we should tell them, stand firm. And tell them, I went through the same thing. You have no idea how that can comfort someone. We should be able to speak about our moments of difficulty with this world, our moments of opposition, and how we stood firm. We should use our our suffering to comfort other believers. Paul is doing exactly that for the for the Philippians. He's saying, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, you saw me go through this struggle. I was there. And then he says, and now here that I still have, he's not only referencing a past struggle, a past suffering, he's also mentioning it as a current predicament. And it's the second thing concerning our encouragement to other believers, that we don't just encourage them, encourage them through past sufferings, we also encourage them through present sufferings. Now, Paul is saying, and now here that I still have, he's basically saying, guys, I'm going through what you're going through. Isn't it interesting that Paul does not have a solution? He's not saying, guys, just keep firm because you're at stage four. And when you're done with stage four, we're going to get to stage five. Then after that, you're going to be free. No, Paul is saying, guys, we are, we are, we are in this thing together. And I don't know if there's another stage. The next stage could be death. <laughs> but he's saying, I am with you. Do you want to know how wonderful it is for you to be encouraged by other men and women who are going through what you're going through? You, you need to do the same. Encourage other men and women. At times you're going through a struggle, just the words, me too, can be a source of encouragement. Just the words, yeah, I feel you. I am there. I've not figured it out. I've not solved it. I've not come out of it, but man, I feel you. You're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. I have not overcome. I have not found a solution. And you'll realize that in the community of believers, when we come together, and we say, Lord, help us find a solution. God will come through for us. We ought to comfort one another with our sufferings. We ought to say our sufferings will bring glory and honor to you, O God. May your sufferings, may your suffering be done courageously. May it be done as the mandate that has been granted from heaven for you to suffer on behalf of Christ not just to understand that he died for you and suffered for you, but also he was an example of how to suffer. And if you want to see how he suffered, the best thing would be to read First Peter chapter 2, uh, the, the, the last six verses. It talks about this very well. And then it goes on to say, um, encourage one another with our suffering, the ones in the past and the ones present. Friends, if we do all this while defending the gospel, we will have the same results that Paul had. And it may be said one day, it was said in Paul's time, that all of Asia had the gospel. Maybe say that all of Africa had the gospel because there were young men and women who suffered, who stood firm to the very end, who were united and they defended the gospel without fear. And they embraced the sufferings, they embraced it, and God fought for them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of Philippians chapter 1. Next week, we get into Philippians chapter 2. My name is Anes Wamboy. For these are more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is edi.app, or you could head over to the Google or the Apple Play Store and download the Edify app. We'll see you next time.